This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another wonderful episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host today, Ryan Treasure. I want to take just a quick second and give a big shout out to Mr. Jeff Spinard. I heard from him today, and he told me that uh, he was going to be back for a show with us next week. Super excited to have him back here in the studio. And then, of course, uh, co-hosting with me today, Mr. Andy Costello. Andy, welcome. Of course. Of course I'm co-hosting with you. Yes. So uh, today we're going to kind of get back into the swing of things with what we uh, uh, started last week with finding your frequency as an 80s baby. And today we're going right. to rock it with part deer. Part deer. Part deer. A couple hot shots we are. <laughs> you can tell we're from the 80s and 90s. <laughs> but, uh, you know, last week's show was uh, really interesting. And I kind of had a whole week to sit back and think about the, the show. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it a couple of times. And I couldn't help but think to myself how much of an interesting time uh, the 80s were and all of the different things that we discussed in the show last week. And yeah. man, is it just an interesting time of, 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 of the year when, of, of your lifetime, excuse me, an interesting time in your lifetime to go through so many different uh, pieces of history in a small amount of timeline as if you look at a larger timeline of U.S. you know historical events, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of stuff that happened in these times. You know, it's it's uh, it is interesting. I I've been doing some thinking about stuff like that, not necessarily because of the show last week, but just sort of in general. Um, my grandfather was born in 1909 uh, and passed away in 1993. Um, and you know, in his life, he got to see the first flight, the first automobiles the first radio, the first television, yeah. right? Or at least, at least the first home versions of all of those. Yeah, that's like, that was like my grandmother was the same as that. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And in our age, you know, like, but after kind of World War II, like the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, like there was definitely progression in technology, but there weren't the leaps and bounds, Yeah. right? Like more people got radios, more people got televisions, more people had uh, phones, you know, in the, like in the house. You didn't have to go to a pay phone and, and dial up the operator. Um, <laughs> Hello, but, connect me. <laughs> but really, you know, the home computer in the, the late 70s and early 80s, you know, starting really with the Apple, um, Apple making it affordable to have a yeah. PC in your house for the first time. Um, you know, that changed so much. You know, people could print things at home. They didn't have to go to the office and computers didn't have to be the size of a building. Do you remember the printers that were like those uh, little holes on either side of the paper uh-huh. and that you had to rip uh, the, the little guides <laughs> off? How old do you think I am? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> Take 20 minutes to print out one page. Yeah, and then that page seven, you'd invariably just rip halfway through as you're pulling the bubbles off and yeah. you have to reprint that one page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was at the, a, a car rental place a couple of weeks ago, and we were renting a moving truck uh, to move some stuff around. And <laughs> I thought it was really funny that the moving place uh, that rents the trucks out mm -hmm. were so old school with their technology. You know, they still had those printers sure. with the little yeah. paper. And I asked them too. I was like, "Why do you guys continue to use this?" And he responds, "He's like, well, if we don't, we'll put this company out of business." And I said, well, at what point are you going to leverage innovative technology to streamline what you're doing in your office? Right. Save yourself some money, right? Because yeah. printing all this paper and everything's got to be A, expensive for you and mm -hmm. B, not really cost effective for the environment either. Right. You know, and he just looked at me like I was nuts. <laughs> well, <laughs> also, it's not his call. You know, he's just the guy. Oh, no, he was, no he was the owner oh. of that place because he had this big, long diatribe conversation with me because okay. I was wearing my Voice America shirt. Got it. And so he's like, oh, what do you guys do? And oh, what's your sh what's your show? What, uh -huh. do you, what other shows do you guys do? So we were kind of talking about that. And, you know, I was like, yeah, we kind of focus on technology. And that's when I was like, well, speaking of technology, why are you yeah. guys still using like the oldest computers on planet Earth and printers from the 80s? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But to each his own, if he can be run a profitable business that way, then if, fine. If yeah, if it's still working for him, you know, why fix it if it's not broke? So, Andy, we kind of left off. Um, we were we we were ending the show. We were laughing about O.J. Simpson, right? Watching <laughs> watching the watching the chase on television with the white Bronco. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Whether he went into the Baskin and Robbins, uh, as I recall, they, they announced it. <laughs> Bask and Robbins. Baskin and Robbins. Yes, yes, yes. As opposed to just Baskin Robbins. Have you ever been to a Baskin and Robbins? Uh, well, I did. They had 33 flavors, and I was very confused <laughs> and just walked right out. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, really cool thing. You talk about technology. Uh, the Hubble Space Telescope, you know, finds its way uh, into uh, some evidence of black holes in the universe. And then we confirm that later in 2001. And that yeah. happened in 94. Right. Um, I've always been enthralled with the space telescope and images of space. And every time, you know, NASA is doing something really cool and they, you know, put out the Mars rover of, mm -hmm. of, of, of yeah. recent. I can't help myself but follow all their Twitter accounts and just look at those amazing images. It's it's. It's interesting to see where we've come with a rover on the moon mm -hmm. versus, you know, discovery exploding above Earth. Right. Yeah. Well, and even, I mean, uh, you know, just, just the thing you just said, right? The Hubble telescope uh, found evidence of black holes in, in 1994, and we couldn't confirm that they were, in fact, you know, theoretical black holes until 2001. That's seven years, right? And and granted, technology has gotten better. Thank and you, things Stephen Hawking. Move, yeah, and things move <laughs> faster now, but... It's still, you know, we get this, these little bits of evidence and people are so quick to jump to conclusions. NASA, NASA couldn't confirm, yeah, these are actually black holes for seven years. It took NASA seven years to find their Hubble space frequency. R yeah, <laughs> at least. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I don't know, I, I, I think that that's important to keep in mind that sometimes we need a little bit longer than snap judgments to, before we decide whether or not something is, is good or bad or, or whatever. I think that's all the way around in general and yeah. in, in life and business and your everyday communications with individuals and, you know, snap judgments even come from, you know, maybe, you know, looking at somebody for the first time and judging them based on their appearance without having a conversation with them. Exactly. You yeah. know, a, a really, a really cool feeling that we had, uh, you know, last Saturday, we all went out to uh, the luncheon, the the homeless luncheon right, yeah. uh, with a full color movement. And I took my daughter and my wife came and several Voice America folks came. Shout out to Sandra Rogers, Randall Libero and our audio engineer, Aaron Keller. Uh, appreciate everybody's help. And you know, we, we did the assembly line feeding the homeless for the lunch and then 
we literally hit the streets when we got done. Mm-hmm. We loaded up all of the uh, stuff in the back of my truck and in the back of a couple of other cars. We went to downtown to uh, the park uh, and, and literally walked the park in mm-hmm. real time, you know, uh, and, and fed probably about 100, 150 people that we were, you know, giving out the food for. And man, it, w- it was a humbling experience because, yeah. you know, those are the types of individuals that somebody may probably, um, you know, judge. By right. looking at them, oh, right. they have dirty clothes. They have are pushing a cart full of their stuff or whatever it is, and yeah. you know, being judgmental. And I learned a whole lot that day, and it was great for my daughter, uh, just interacting with some of those folks and knowing how much they are not different than me. Right. You know, um, I had a situation a few years ago where I actually almost became homeless. Um, just you know, the the economic collapse of two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, led to a bunch of things where. I, you know, I just, money and jobs were hard to come by. Yeah. And I, I lost the job I was working at. Um, my family's business closed down as a result of that. Um, and there were just a lot of factors going into, if, if not for um, the love and care of some friends that, that let me live with them for a few months, um, I would have been one of those people on the street, right? And I'm, I'm an educated human being, you know, I... I <laughs> I'm, I'm a pretty good artist. Pop culture is, icon. I, I, I'm pop culture icon. We'll go with that. Uh, pop culture enthusiast. There you I'll, go. I'll go with. Uh, but yeah, um, you know, it, 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 I was literally one person's decision away from being homeless, at least until I could find someone yeah. else to stay with, you know. And anyone that knows me and talks to me, you know, well, you're not the kind of person that would be homeless. And I was like, right, none of us are. You know, none of us should be the kind of person that could be homeless. Mm-hmm. And and it is all – there are some people who are homeless by choice, you know, but most people, it's circumstances, you know, out of their control or a couple of bad decisions. And that's how they got where they are. Otherwise, they're still people. They're still just like us. Yeah. You know, it was um, an interesting story. My wife had told me she was uh, passing out waters and Gatorade at the little drink station that we had set up. And a mm-hmm. gentleman comes up and – you know, um, for whatever reason, you know, he started asking my wife, you know, like, hey, I've been out on the streets three weeks, yeah. you know, and then kind of told her his story. And um, his wife had kicked him out of their home yeah. because he had to make a choice between his family and drug addiction. Mm. And, you know, and I, I was very I was very proud of my wife because when he asked, you know, well, what do I do? And her answer was, what do you want more? Yeah. And, you know, I thought that that was powerful. It was powerful for him. It was powerful for us. And, you know, it just kind of makes you think about those circumstances that people get in. And, you know, finding your frequency in life is not easy. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Some people never do. Yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, I'm, I, I feel grateful that I found mine at a young age and uh, I've been able to, to work to a point where I get to make art for a living. You know, that's incredible to me. I still... There are days where I go home and I'm like, man, I made so much art today, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and then I go home and make more, you know, and I don't get paid for the stuff at home necessarily, but like I get to be here for eight hours a day. You get day. paid in emotional love for yourself. <laughs> I mean, there's that too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the stuff at home. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, and there's so many artists that don't get to make art for a living and that's, that's a bummer, you know, it's yeah. just, I don't know. 
Yeah, I definitely know how that is. There was a time in my life where I thought I was going to be making electronic music for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, and then there was another point in my time where I had to come to the concession within myself that says, Ryan, you are only an average electronic music producer. You're one heck of a DJ and you can mix the heck out of some music, but that doesn't make you a phenomenal producer in that realm. And so I finally just you know, backed up and said, you know what, I'm, I'm okay with playing other people's music and, and yeah. mixing tracks together and having fun that way. And I just stuck to that. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's bad. You know, I mean, if I, if I had my druthers, I would be drawing comic books. Yeah. Right. But I am, I am an average comic book artist. I still know? have Todd Knox card sitting on my desk from when <laughs> we were at Comic-Con. And for those of you who yeah. doesn't know, Tom, uh, Todd Knox is the current uh, artist who is drawing for Spider-Man. Uh, uh, I don't know if he's on Spider-Man currently, but he's always like doing Spawn something for Marvel. And some yeah. other stuff. Yeah. So super cool guy that we met. Go check yeah. out that uh, yes. episode. Yeah. We did. It was, uh, from that was May, a Finding right? Your Frequency it episode was a Finding for Comic-Con. Yeah. I got to be on that one too. So as we as we continue on the path of uh, some of these historical items that happened as growing up as 80s babies mm-hmm. and uh, big shout out to FullColorMovement.com. Go check it out. We're going to go out there again next month uh, and oh, cool. any donations that you guys want to put out there, we could totally use baby wipes, backpacks, clothes, uh, even even uh, grocery bags, plastic grocery bags, mm-hmm. uh, uh, little mini toiletries and toothbrushes and underarm deodorant and all that fun stuff. So if you guys have questions about donating, send that over to info at VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be happy to do that. Uh, so we're moving out of the Hubble uh, Space Telescope era and, and moving into the next year of 1995, which was, you know, um, a kind of a kind of a weird year, right? Because it was 95 uh, was a very strange year. We had homegrown terrorism strike for what I feel was probably the first major incident. Yeah, there was the World Trade Center bombing in like 91, 92. Um, but the Oklahoma City bombing in 95 uh, yeah. definitely felt bigger. Um, I don't remember the the World Trade Center bombing in the early '90s, right? Like, I, like I'm, it happened, but I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't have re- memories of it. I remember it, but I don't remember that being as televised and as right. media centric as the Timothy McVeigh stuff, right? And I remember being in school and and the, the announcement coming over. I was in homeroom, and, and I remember uh, in seventh grade. I'm in. High, I think this is the year I started high school. Okay, would yeah. have been '95. Um, yeah, it might have been eighth grade when I. But yeah, it, no, it's, I would have been a sophomore that year in '95. Yeah, well, you're a year or so older than me, so that makes sense. But yeah, I was in junior high, and I remember the homeroom, um, uh, (sighs) the announcement coming over the homeroom speakers, and just it being very strange. My dad, it was the Oklahoma City Federal Building. Uh, My dad worked for Social Security at the time, so he got sent home for a couple of days. You know, you know, I, I got to bring this up. So yeah. Aaron, Aaron, our audio engineer, he just messaged me and said the World Trade Center was attacked in the 90s too, question mark. They didn't teach me this in history. Yeah. Like, that's a problem. Uh, is it? I mean, understanding the current events <laughs> is extremely important. I mean, I would have thought that that'd be something they cover in social studies. Possibly. My, I mean, and the reason I ask if it is is because it, it was, listen, it was an attack and it was dangerous and, and, you know, it caused a lot of problems. But in the grand scheme of history, you know, I just said, I don't remember it happening when it happened, right? You have vague memories of when mm-hmm. it happened. I'm not saying people shouldn't know about it, but... Well, when you see the Oklahoma City Federal Building, like where literally half of it is gone. Yeah. I mean, the the visuals behind that, the optics when you yeah. look at it, it does have a, a grandiose scheme and Absolutely. feeling to it, you yeah. know. So, yeah. uh, all right, there's a lot of fighting that escalates in Bosnia and Croatia. Um, you know, funny that that has happened. When I was in high school, which is about this time, mm-hmm. um, 
they started bringing over um, Serbian, Bosnian, and Croatian immigrants from those war-torn areas that, um, yeah. and bringing them to the United States. Um, and I met this really cool girl named Andrea. Okay. Right? It's, it says uh, Andrea is right. her name, but, but the way they say that in Bosnia is Andrea. Okay. And uh, she's still my friend today. Her, oh, and, I, cool. her and I talk. Uh, she's got a son who plays at Deer Valley High School, plays football. And okay. um, she's good friends with my friend Liz in New York, uh, who's, uh, who's been my friend since uh, high school. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's just cool that, you know, because of that that was happening there, I made a new friend. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry that all that happened there. But, man, of they course. went through some some gnarly stuff in, in Bosnia in those times. And uh, her, she was telling me stories of uh, sitting in their apartment and bombs going off next door and her Ugh. opening the door to see what happened. And the hallway was gone. They blew half the building apart. Jeez. And they had to, like, literally escape from bullets and rocket propelled grenades in their neighborhood while they were trying to escape to the US. Yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I, I okay, I literally can't imagine that. Yeah. I, right? I've never I, I I am fortunate enough that I've never had to experience that. I was in like the that. Navy and I never saw any, you know, combat type stuff. Even right. in our training that we went through, they don't prepare you for stuff like that. No. You know, maybe they do in the army, but I don't know if you get to be in training other than, you know, shooting bullets over your head and those types of things that, you know, it's a controlled environment. But opening the door and hearing an explosion and watching the entire rest of the building collapse beneath you. So that's a whole other ballgame. The closest I have to that is that uh, one time my buddy told me the story where, like, he walked out of his, his back door in the morning and his car was gone. And he was like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that, right? But that's the car. Like, all right, the car is gone, right? Uh, it, it turns out it was stolen, and he found it like a week later parked two blocks away because apparently the thieves didn't know how to drive. In stick. 1995, we weren't forced to have insurance, and now we are. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think is a good thing in some respects for car owners because um, I, absolutely, there's a lot of people, especially in Arizona, that like drive around that don't have driver's licenses, which is scary as it all is get out. It is terrifying. <laughs> You know, Mr. Miyagi didn't have a, a driver's license. Well, he was Mr. Miyagi. It's true. He would yeah. just wax on and came up in a, the car would come pick him up. He came up in a conversation on Facebook <laughs> earlier, and I was just like, oh, eh, he didn't. So also in 95, as we talked about O.J. Simpson, uh, he got acquitted, found not guilty for murdering his wife and friend. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I distinctly remember sitting in my social studies class uh, in uh, – South Middle School in Waltham, Massachusetts, uh, and watching that verdict come yeah. come over the television live, and uh, man, that's such a that whole thing is such a weird. And fast thing. forward to today, but dude's in jail, right? <laughs> For, <laughs> For something some else. else, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, this was, was cool in '95. This this is a cool Sony that? demonstrates. A flat screen TV. In 1995. I mean, good. I hate those CRT monitors, those big giant things. I remember <laughs> having to carry those things around. And then I remember also, like back in those days, if you had a big screen TV, yeah. right? It was a big giant yeah. box that was, you know, 173 wall. pounds and right. took two dudes to move it from one room to the other. Yeah, <laughs> at least two. Yeah. 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 No, for sure. Um yeah, and it's crazy to think that 1995, you know, flat screen TV, like, I don't think the general populace got them until probably close to, like, 10 years later. Yeah. Right? And now now they don't manufacture CRT televisions anymore. Like, cathode ray tubes don't exist anymore. Yeah, and I think that's um, – I think there's mercury or some kind of vapor that's in those tubes. And so um, reclaiming and recycling them is a huge business. Interesting. Uh, people are, people are, are reclaiming them. Uh, all right, so moving to 1996, this is where stuff starts to get a little wonky as far as kind of if you could compare a year 
that kind of maybe kicked off the whole uh, uh, you know terrorism, mm-hmm. the 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 Middle Eastern conflicts, and some of those things. You had uh, Taliban Muslim fundamentals uh, fundamentalists capturing Kabul, the capital of Afghanistan, in 1996, mm. uh, and then later Al Qaeda terrorist training camps are set up. Um, and so I think this is kind of like the beginning of some of the stuff we're still dealing with today. That, absolutely, yeah. And all of that is probably a, a fallout of Desert Strike, which happened a few years earlier. Yeah, and then you have Iraqi troops firing on Kurdish positions in the north of the country, and the United States warns Iraq that uh, uh, their air defenses need to declare a no-fly zone in north of the country mm. or or else. Yeah, yeah. Why? In the history, and I'm sure you've noticed this too. Um, I'm really glad the United States got involved with World War II. Right? Sure, it was right. extremely important. Um, the Allies were kind of getting their butts kicked. Right. Um, I don't know what prompted Japan to poke the bear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's I, some other. I wasn't there. Tactical components of yeah. that, but I feel like. Ever since then, it's kind of been like the United States has kind of been the world's police in some way, shape, or form. I, uh, this is, so one of my history teachers uh, in, in junior high, so when I was still in Waltham, Massachusetts, um, kind of poked fun at that and was just like, oh, yeah, look at America just going around being like, well, we're America. We have this magic flag everywhere we go. We're the good guys. We know what we're doing. And um, I don't, I don't, uh, it's hard to argue with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. We had uh, escalations in almost all these major conflicts where right. where the U.S. stepped in. And, you know, I'm not saying that there wasn't some necessity there. I just feel like over an expanded amount of time in my lifetime, um, we've kind of lost our way where we're more less focused on internals of the U.S. Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Right. You know, I love the, I mean, it's, it's kind of a global economy now. Sure. And, and you have all of those aspects of it, but I think it's important that um, any country, whatever you're at, like, you have to focus on your home. Uh, if you don't like what the status quo is, you have to change it. Right. You know, right. and, and all too often people just want to run away from their problems rather than fighting back because it's easier. Right. Yeah. And, and and I don't agree with that. No, no, you should clean your house, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, make, I, we should sure, all. You should make sure your house is in is in order and and things are going okay, and then worry about your neighbors. It's kind of hard though, you know, to keep your house in order when you have kids. There's toys all the time, and you do your best though. That's fair. You do your best. I mean, yeah, but again, you should be taking care of your own stuff before you're worrying about what your neighbors are doing. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. So ninety seven rolls around. Princess Diana. Oh, gets one killed. last thing in nineteen ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah, uh, that was the year I moved to Arizona. Oh, right yeah. on. Yeah. So you were like from uh, in Boston at the time, right? Just outside Boston. Yeah, yeah. And and now I'm uh, I moved to Arizona. What made your family Boston. decide to come to the sweltering desert? Um, <laughs> mom, I know you're going to listen to this, but my mom's crazy. <laughs> uh, came out to Phoenix in But you didn't leave uh, Yeah My mom came out here in uh, the middle of February And then again in April And fell in love with Phoenix um, and, and the weather, right? And it's like, yeah, February in the desert Is better than February in the northeast, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's and, um, and then again in April Like things were just starting to warm up You know, we were just Snow was finally melting And out here everything was, you know 70 degrees and wonderful. And then uh, in June, we moved out here. And I still remember walking out of the airport um, outside into the desert for the first time. And it felt like I walked into an oven. Yeah. 
And and I was just it was just the blast of dry hot air right in the face. And I, was I made just a like, pizza last night for dinner in the oven. Yeah. And I made the mistake of being too close to the oven when I opened it, and yeah. I got that heat, and I was yeah. like, yes, that's what that's, that's what, what July feels like. Feels like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I haven't moved back because I haven't uh, <laughs> financial situations have prevented me from saving up enough to move anywhere. Um, also, at this point, I don't know where I would go. Uh, things are working out okay right now. So, but at some point, yeah, I'm 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 not staying here for the rest of my life. So. I don't know. It could be one year. It could be five years. It could be 10 years. Never um, know. Never, never know, know where life will lead you as I, you follow your frequency. I didn't think I was going to leave Massachusetts. So, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, other co-host is from Rhode Island. So he, right. he loves that Northeast area as well. Mm-hmm. And um, he, likes, uh, he likes to go back and visit and do all that fun stuff, uh, but definitely uh, enjoys what we have here in the wintertime versus sure. the snow and cold of the Northeast. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff right, also so, doesn't like pronouncing his Oz. So. <laughs> yeah. All right, so in 97, Princess Diana gets killed. Um, yeah, let's start with that. I mean, I, rem- I remember that so much. I do, too. So much. Um, I, oh, man. America has always had this infatuation with the queen. Right, because we don't have one. Right, but I, what I never understood is, like, it, you know, we, we went through this war where we were like, no more England, you know, we don't care about your your government and your crowns and all that. And then fast forward a couple hundred years and anytime something happens with the royal family, all of us in America are like, Oh, what's going on? What's Meghan Markle going? Oh, look at the look at the princes. I mean, isn't that kinda like checking up on your mom every so often though, right? Like, you know, you're a feisty teenager and you're angsty and you don't want to live by your mom's rules anymore and you throw her tea out the window. <laughs> right. And then you're just like, No, I this is me, I am my own person, I have my own house now. You know, I'm not paying you rent anymore. I'm paying it to someone else. Uh, or I own I, my own or, house. Or bought your own house, <laughs> whatever, right? And, but every so often, you gotta you gotta call up mom and see what's going on. I know it's just weird because it's not like you moved <laughs> out. It was like you you kicked mom out. First you beat her up, and then you kicked her out of the house that she used to own. Well, then we'll call it dad, so it's not <laughs> not quite as bad. But uh, I, I don't know. I just I feel like looking at the royal family. It's just like, yeah, what what are. Uh, What's grandma and grandpa up to? What, what, what's mom and dad up to? Uh, yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that way. I, That's that, fair. I feel like I'm so far removed. I don't know that I actually feel that way yeah. either, but the analogy popped into my head right away and I had to share it. All right, let's move on to space, right? In 97, the space shuttle docks with the Russian space station and another spacecraft begins sending back pictures of Mars. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that happened. Right, the old red planet that also Americans and uh, the world alike has had an infatuation with. The 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 planet of Mars is um, in biblical texts. Mm-hmm. It's all over the place when you look at uh, you know the way that people would look at the skies in mm-hmm. older uh, variants of human history. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, the History Channel, for teaching yeah. me all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, and Mars is, you know, our closest neighbor, right? So if we screw up this house too bad, that's our neighbor that we got to move in with. Uh, <laughs> don't seem, I don't, their pantry looks a bit empty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we finally found some actual water there, right? Or at least uh, frozen liquid of some kind. Yeah, well, so uh, Mars would technically be farther away from the sun than us. Not even technically, just actually. Actually. Yeah. Technically farther. Yeah. Actually technically farther. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mars is further away. Things are going to be colder. Uh, it's a good thing I like the cold weather. I know how to layer. This is also the year that they cloned Dolly the sheep. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about that. Uh, why has nothing been cloned since Dolly? Big Pharma. Oh, that's a good answer. That's a really good answer. Big Pharma. That's the only thing I can, I can think of that would stop, you know, uh, advances in medicine t- 
to where you wouldn't need medication. I mean, if I could just say, hey, can you clone my lung? Right. Um, because I have a bad one and sure. replace my lung with my lung. Right. Um, there's a whole bunch of people that get put out of jobs. Yeah, but so many more jobs get created. Yeah, I mean, but how many? So the, many the other so question many is, is how many times do you get to change your lungs out? I don't know. I mean, because does that make the humanity's life cycle that much longer because you're able to clone your own organ? So if you do have an organ failure, you just replace that organ and keep living your life. And now you have 200-year-old people. And I'm like, hey, how old are you? I'm 204 on my third set of hearts. I mean, possibly <laughs> third set of hearts. <laughs> yeah, but you never know what's going to happen by then. You might be able to put two in there. And Such plentiful organs. Um <laughs> Okay, so so sure, maybe maybe the the lungs and the extra hearts and everything helps you you know help you live longer, but still the trauma of surgery is going to shorten your life. So maybe that just balances out. Maybe you just live an average lifespan rather than dying younger. Then and, and everything at that point will just goes to like ghost in the shell. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> That's the future I want to live in. This is why I'm wondering why we haven't cloned Dolly more. Well, yeah, like why can't I just download my soul to another body? <sighs> right. Let's, okay, we're so, really getting science fiction here. Well, <laughs> but let's let's stick with the science fact, right? Like, okay, if we're if we're cloning animals for food, does PETA have a problem with that? I mean, what's the difference I mean, between cloning and farming? I don't know. I mean, because essentially, what you're doing it's, when you're farming is you're farming you're, these you're replicating more animals, right? We're farming all. You're of just these doing it naturally, right? Rather than so, a test tube. So, is there a? I mean, there is there is a. a, a moral difference there is a is there potentially i mean there are going to be some people who are just not going to eat cloned sheep right there's some people that just don't eat sheep period like uh, i don't i don't eat the uh the plant-based whopper whatever that thing's called the impossible burger yeah it is yeah. impossible to eat I, well burger king's impossible to eat in general so uh <laughs> come on wendy smack them up this episode sponsored by burger king uh no no no, no. Uh, no, I just I, – I, I question why hasn't cloning gone further, right? We, we cloned a sheep. There is a second dolly out there. I don't, I don't know how long sheep live. Maybe not anymore. Um, it's been 22 years. But I feel like that is something that we did once. Like going to the moon. We went to the moon once, and we haven't really done much with it since. We've cloned a sheep once. We haven't – like, okay, we've done it. Yeah. Why don't we have Jurassic Park anymore? I don't know, man. I, I can't answer those questions. You know what we're going to need to do? Uh, I'm going to put out my feelers, and we'll try to get us a genetic expert on the show so we can find out about how he found his frequency, and we can ask him some of those questions. That sounds wonderful. I mean, because that that literally would help so many things if people, A, didn't have a moral issue with some cloning. Right. You know, people could get new lungs and pancreas and heart and yeah. whatever. I don't know how you would clone a brain, though. Carefully. Yeah, but... Unsatisfactorily, right? If so, if you if your brain goes, I think you're done. Sure. Because yes, you can clone the brain, but does the cloned brain contain the same stuff that you've spent your entire lifetime learning? Well, then we get into a bunch of spiritual questions, and yeah. I don't I don't have the answers. For I, that. I just think physically, it's like it's like building a hard drive, right? A hard drive A has all the data on mm -hmm. it. A hard drive B is exactly the same as hard drive A, right? But it doesn't contain all the data. So it'd be like multiplicity, and you get the the <laughs> stupid one. He's like, "Hey, Steve, can I have a monkey?" Yeah, yeah. Uh, when did multiplicity come out? That was around ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, right? Maybe Dolly uh, was the inspiration for multiplicity. Oh, that could be. That could be. That movie's fantastic and highly underrated. Yeah, I like that movie yeah. a lot. Uh, Timothy McVeigh gets sentenced to death in '97 for the bombing. Uh, Scottish scientists got the sheep, and J.K. Rowling publishes the first Harry Potter book. 
started it all off. That's I, this is where my wife got hooked. 1997? <laughs> yes. You know, I, I remember people talking about Harry Potter in either 97 or 98, and, and some people being all for it, and some people being, uh, what is this This magic? Uh, this is a, some dumb kid's book. You know, and other people are like, no, but this is a great kid's book. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I still have not read or watched any of the Harry Potter anything. So hey, Aaron, Aaron, uh, you live with a Harry Potter enthusiast. Your girlfriend is like super Harry Potter. Is that when she got hooked on it, like right in 97 when she was a kid when the books came out? Um, I honestly don't know exactly when. I know she has been a fan since she was in middle school, I believe, at least. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. there you have it. From I'm not, not going to ask how old she is, but... Yeah, I think she's in her mid-20s. Okay. All right. Yeah. So 20, probably pretty early on. Yeah. 25, I believe. You should remember that. It is yeah, your girlfriend. Yeah, I know. Guess what? Sometimes I think I'm 28, but I'm 27, so, you know. Don't I, don't go faster than equal. you need to. Trust me. <laughs> All right, so 98 was a weird year, too. 98. This is where, like, Google comes out in 98 yeah. with their search. President Bill Clinton. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole with this because there's so much current events and political ramifications components right. with Bill Clinton and um, all of the stuff that he's been connected to over time. But sure. I just I – just, I remember Bill Clinton standing on, uh, like, C-SPAN or whatever news outlet it was just saying, I didn't have sexual relations with this woman. You know, I don't remember watching that, but I do remember all the parodies of it. Uh, <laughs> I do remember his, his statement later. They Saturday Night Live with the bejesus out of Bill Clinton. Oh, they sure did. Uh, I do remember his statement uh, where he talked about allegations and, and everything, and he said even presidents are allowed to have private lives. And that really stuck with me. Um, are, are they, though? Uh, well, I think so. Um, what they're doing in their private life is is – you know, I there, I maybe have some moral issues with some president's decisions. I believe um, that if it goes down in the White House, it's no longer private because that White House is owned by us. That's fair. Is it us because it's U.S.? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I meant us, the citizens of the United States of America. Got it. Um, but I, I do, you know, we can, we can take uh, whatever detours we want, but I do think that everyone does have the right to have some privacy. Um, be they presidents or other celebrity type people. Right, and again, right? I, I think my point is, yes, they deserve privacy, but not at the behest of the taxpayer's dollar. No, that's fair. That's that's probably reasonable. It's your dollar and my dollar. Sure. I don't want to spend electricity for you to have the lights on while you have an affair in an office that was provided to you by the people. That's. I don't think that that's an unreasonable argument. Do not stain my carpet. Okay. Our carpet. I <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. What else happened in 98, Ryan? Uh, let's see here. I believe uh, Monday Night Raw became the highest rated show in cable history. And Google introduces their search engine to the web. Well, and that, uh, this right here in 1998, the, yeah. the Google. The Google. Right? And then what was it? I think it was 91 or 92, the Apple computer, or no, the World Wide Web was invented. Oh, right. Uh, the, yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, Tim Berners-Lee. Yeah. Uh, Sir Tim Berners-Lee. Sir. Prevent, uh, uh, proposed the World Wide Web, and I believe it was 1990. Right, so um, you HTML ha happened in 93, 94, and the World Wide Web really kind of kicked off in 94, 95. So 96. in a five-year span, the world changed completely. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean, in, in a five-year span, you had uh, people who were connected to the internet had 
so much information at their fingertips the moment that Google's algorithms were placed online well, for search. I mean, like, Google has kind of won the search engine wars. Sorry, Bing. Um, but <laughs> you don't even have to apologize. <laughs> Bing knows. <laughs> but even before that, right? Like, I mean, there was there was Webcrawler, there was AltaVista, there was the Yahoo Search, and we were using those. Yeah. You know, like, we got our first computer um, in spring of 97. So it's we like were... Netscape had a search engine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Netscape, which is... <laughs> You know, former employees of Netscape have enough under Mozilla, and that's where Firefox comes from. It's, you know, the grandchild yep. of Netscape Navigator. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it, I don't know, Google Google search engine became such a big deal so fast. It, they started that in 1998. In 2005, they, or in 2005, YouTube launched. In 2007, Google bought YouTube. In the span of nine years, Google got so big that they just straight up bought this other company. You know, and they still continue to do that and today. They, they're still doing that today. I mean, they bought Motorola. I didn't, they, I didn't realize that. Yeah, they bought Motorola because they needed to have all the the manufacturing techniques for creating the chips and the components for all the mobile devices. Absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so then, when you see Motorola phones, they're all managed by Google. Huh. All of the Moto Q phones and all that stuff that you see out there, all owned by Google. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was smart because Apple has their own manufacturing arm that they leverage for iPhones. And right. Google's like, oh, well, we own the Android operating system and mm -hmm. we have the technology and the software components held out, but we don't own the hardware component. Right. And so that so was their that was their theirs. chess move to get the hardware. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, speaking of Apple and hardware, 1988 was also the, um, the debut of the iMac. Uh, with the, the wonderful... 27 colors. The, yeah, I was going to yeah. say they're wonderful fruit flavors. <laughs> uh, we had the blueberry one at my house. Nice. Uh, yeah. My wife had one at her house, uh, like an orange one that they had. Uh, the, the tangerine. Yes, the tangerine. Yeah. 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 Well, um, all right, let's move. So 98 was also the year I graduated high school. Okay. Uh, and I left to go to the military. I went, okay. to, I went into the Navy in 98. I was... Uh, 98, I was a uh, sophomore... Uh, sophomore and junior, because, you know, years are weird. So that's where my current event uh, items kind of end for me because I was gone in the oh, Navy. Oh, because you were gone to the Navy I got years. home from the Navy, and um, I had never heard Christina Aguilera's Genie in a Bottle. Well, you were, were better off. but Right, but so the funny thing is, is all of, I, I didn't I didn't listen to music hardly at all. Sure. Um, and so when I got home and I'm, you know, I love the radio. Yeah, obviously. obviously. Uh, and so I'm flipping through the channels. I'm with my like my my wife Angie, yeah. who's my girlfriend at the time, and I'm like, "What is this? What is this music on this radio box thing?" Uh, so yeah, I had a lot of catching up to do after that for for a year. But uh, Christina Aguilera is the reason I quit drinking. So <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's a story for another day. We'll we'll do that when we go into finding my frequency. Finding your frequency. Yeah. 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 Well, so 99 was kind of a weird year because you have um, President Clinton gets uh, acquitted of impeachment charges. Have any of the years we've talked about today been normal? No, they're okay. all weird. They've all been weird. They've years. all been weird. Okay. NATO airstrikes moved to Kosovo in May. Uh, the Serbs oh, man, agreed to yeah. pull out, right? So that was when kind of that, that area uh, started to end. Mm -hmm. um, two, key two teenagers killed 15 students at Columbine High School in yeah. 99. Okay, so that one, uh, I was at school all day. Uh, junior it's almost been, It's 20 years? It's been 20 years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was April 20th. It was 420. And, and uh, I, was, I was at high school. Um, and then afterwards, I went to a Rob Zombie concert with my mom. 
because uh, a friend of hers had an extra ticket, and she was like, oh, you you like this guy, right? And I had just bought Hellbilly Deluxe, uh, his first solo album. It's <laughs> a good album. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and so like we went and saw it, and my mom was like, well, I didn't like the music, but I liked the show part with all the dancing girls in the His shows are amazing, all oh, of them. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then on the ride home, we were listening to the radio, and they were talking about the shooting at Columbine, right? And I, I distinctly remember, like, I will always associate Hellbilly Deluxe with the shooting at Columbine because of that. Um, I remember the next year, a friend of mine wore a trench coat all the time, and everyone just gave him crap about it. And it was like, listen, Alex is like one of the nicest people in the world. Yeah, he wears a trench coat, but there is no trench coat mafia, at least not in Scottsdale. Like, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. Like, yeah, but um, and I. I feel like there have just been a bunch of school shootings since Columbine. I don't remember hearing about them before that. And I'm not saying they didn't happen, but. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Uh, they weren't as sensationalized, you know. Yeah, I didn't. Honestly, when I was growing up, I never heard of a school shooting. Right. Like that until this happened. Right. I actually remember, and you're going to think this is nuts because you were in Boston probably. But sure. I remember going to school in high school and. Um, guys and girls would drive to school. Mm-hmm. They were old enough, 16 years old. They had sure. their driver's license. And this was at a time, and this was in the in the 90s. Um, and, you know, guys who were, uh, you know, cowboy guys or whatever, like would come onto the school campus with their gun racks and their guns still in their trucks. I right? do and think that's crazy, but yeah, I'm from Boston. So. Yeah, and yeah. so it wasn't, a, it wasn't a big thing. It wasn't, a, it wasn't right. out of the normal for me to come to school and like see somebody's 30-06 in their gun rack in their truck. And sure. I mean, this isn't, it's not like Phoenix is, you know, people in Boston probably at the time thought Phoenix was just a cow town oh, I in thought the y'all, 90s. Oh, I thought y'all lived in grass huts and had tumbleweeds <laughs> rolling by all the time. We hitched our horses to the hitching post as we went to town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if your horses were still alive, because I figured they just... Phoenix had a population dehydrated. of like 1.5 million at the time. Sure. Right. Um, so, I mean, we're a robust, standard, you know, sixth or seventh largest city in the United States, um, and we still had this very small town feel here in Phoenix, which mm-hmm. is gone now. Right. Um, and, and, yeah, it was just... The, the people would pull up and they have their guns in the backs of their trucks and all that kind of stuff. And it was never a problem. Nobody ever thought twice. And then here you have in 99, this whole thing breaks loose and it's been an ongoing uh, media frenzy and, you know, continuation that's been going on for 20 years. I was actually watching a video this morning and I'm not saying this is my opinion or anything like sure. that. I'm just watching a video. You know who Steven Seagal is? I do. Um, so Steven Seagal works for uh, Louisiana Parish in Louisiana. He works for the sheriff's department there. Okay. Um, he helps train those guys. I think he ran for sheriff at one point there. He sure did. Um, and so he, somebody had asked him, like, what do you think about all these school shootings? And he said, well, they never happened when I was a kid. I don't understand why they're happening now. And then he followed it up by saying that he feels that a lot of these school shootings are engineered by someone to have a narrative to eliminate the Second Amendment. Well, that's an interesting conspiracy theory. Yeah, I know. Uh, my, my voter registration card, by the way, says no party. So uh, no one call me anything. I don't uh, have a voter registration card. Fair enough. So, yeah, we just have our own opinions, which are not the opinions of Voice America or its management. Yeah. I guess yours kind of are, but. No, they're uh, not. Okay. They're mine and mine alone. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, yeah. I didn't think we needed to have a disclaimer, Andy. There was one at this top, top of the show anyways. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly kind of feel like there are some kids that want to be popular and they have gone down whatever dark rabbit hole they've gone down and they see, hey, look, these two kids at Columbine are celebrities now. None of us remember their names. You know, it's no. just the kids from Columbine, right? And and at this point, there's been so many 
you know, school shootings. I don't remember anyone's name. Um, I don't even remember all the schools that are being shot because they're happening so frequently. Uh, and, and I honestly think it's, it's some weird drive to be remembered for something. But the more people that do it, the less anyone is remembered because they're not special anymore. Well, if I tag on to the conspiracy theory of, sure. of Steven Seagal, um, when you have a populace of uh, young individuals that have that mental yeah. uh, necessity to be seen, to be heard, to be, uh, I don't know, remembered, mm-hmm. I think those people have also a... It's it's easier for bad operators to plant seeds, yeah, right, in, yeah. in 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 those types of individuals. Well, and I have to, you know, I, I remember with the Columbine kids specifically, like they they went and did a bunch of, you know, they went and checked out their houses and looked on their their mm-hmm. web search history, probably on the Google, and. Um, <laughs> You know, they they were really obsessed with a bunch of like killers and and Nazism and stuff, right? And it was these two kids decided, yeah, we're going to go in on our you know, go into our school on Hitler's birthday and and go and kill a bunch of people. And once the reality of what they were doing hit them, that's when they turned around and killed themselves. Yeah. Um, I, I watched the documentary uh, Bowling for Columbine, right? Documentary. Michael, eh, Michael Moore <laughs> stuff isn't really a documentary. They're all op-ed pieces, but there there are enough facts in there that you can take stuff out. Um, and I, I did find it interesting, uh, just as, you know, all the different people, right? Because Charlton Heston was still in the head of the NRA at the time, and and he had his opinions. Which and California now deems a terrorist organization as of about five days ago. The NRA. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> That's a debate for another day. Uh, Agreed, because I don't. I don't think you and I see eye to eye on that particular. Probably one. not. <laughs> uh, but the so the one the one person who uh, their their talk really stuck out to me in that was Marilyn Manson. I'm not the world's biggest Marilyn Manson fan. I like some of his songs. I have his greatest hits album. That's kind of it, right? I've never seen him in concert. Whatever. Um, but he definitely got associated with the Columbine thing for like no legitimate reason, right? Just he was the popular scary metal guy at the time. That they happened to listen to the, his music. Yeah, maybe, allegedly. We're yeah. not even sure. <laughs> um, and the one thing he said was, if I got the chance to talk to those kids, you know, the, Michael Moore was like, hey, what would you say to these kids? And he was like, I wouldn't tell them anything. I would listen to them, right? And I think that's probably what a lot of teenage kids need is they just need someone to listen. We're so... Like, one of the reasons I don't want to have kids is because I know I'm kind of a mess and I know that I don't necessarily have the time for other people, um, right or wrong. Parenting is tough. I, yeah. I, I, ha- I have a, a five going on six year old at the house right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, she's at an age where she speaks very well. Yeah. Uh, she reads very well. Mm-hmm. And she questions everything. Right. And you have to be prepared as a parent to have tough conversations because they're going to ask you questions out of left field that you were not prepared for. There are days where I have (laughs) trouble helping my roommates take care of their dog, right? And dogs don't ask questions other than, hey, can we go out right now? Or can I have something to eat? And even then they're not really asking. They're just kind of looking at you sad. And, uh, and you're really guessing I, right. at what they want. Yeah, you're like, do you want food? Do you want to go outside? Right, you want belly rub. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and and so, but I think I think parents get so caught up. A lot of parents. I'm not not everyone, but I think there are a lot of parents get really caught up in their thing. And and rather than listening to what their kids want, they're just too quick to hand them a Game Boy or an iPhone or whatever, you know, or stick them in front of a TV. And like, rather than spend time with them, they're just like, yeah, here, be distracted while I go do my thing. Right. And I see that on the bus all the time. 
you know, I ride the bus and I, I'm watching a lot of parents, like a kid starts getting fussy and they'll just hand him an iPhone. Or the parent will be talking on the phone while the kid wants attention. You know, the kid's like pulling on their sleeve or whatever and the kid like smacks them away or the parent will like, you know, gently smack their arm away or whatever. And it's like, hey, you need to pay attention to your kid. Yeah, you I mean, know? from a parental span standpoint though, there there does come a time where I have to take this phone call. No, for sure. Right, and so that's when it comes to time to you know have the conversation with your kid right and i've i've even i've had to do this before i've had to be tell the person on the other line can you please hold on for just one second right and they say okay i mute the phone right i turn to my daughter and i say honey i know you want my attention right now however i'm on the phone mm -hmm. i need to have this conversation it will take x amount of minutes as soon as i get off this phone call i will be more than happy to address whatever you want right right and but you have to take that 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 time, right. that explanation has to happen. Right. And right? I don't, it can't be a, I'm on the phone, leave me alone. Right. right? It, it, that doesn't work. And then <laughs> when they go back to the phone call, it's them talking about getting their hair did. Right. Right. Like, all right, guys, like you're not even talking to your salon scheduling your appointment. You're talking to like your, your friend, your friends about what you might do this weekend. Like, okay, put your phone down for the 20 minutes you're on the bus. Can you help me get my hair did? Yeah. You no, <laughs> I really can't actually. I, I got you to say yes, though. Yeah. I'm like, I, I was. So, I, so what, what can you do? I, now I, that you I can would. Get my I would in. love to help you, but uh, <laughs> I can. I can introduce you to some people. I don't know how much they're going to be able to help. I was talking to our ad rep the other day, and they're looking at a sponsor for the show that makes this product that is a laser cap for your head to help regrow your hair. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah, I would. They're supposed to send me a sample. Okay. So hopefully, maybe I'll, maybe in three months I'll have hair like you. Hey, maybe uh, if you can grow your hair out this long in three months, uh, for people that don't know what I look like, my hair is past my shoulders. Um, I grow it out and donate it to um, you know wigs for kids and and locks of love and places that make hair for or make wigs for for uh, cancer patients. Um, <laughs> so if you can grow your hair out this long in three months, I will be super impressed. Also, I will start using that so I can grow more hair so I can, can donate, donate more frequently. More. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, last thing I want to talk about today before we, we end the show is um, probably the craziest thing of the end of the millennial, right, was Y2K. Uh, oh. And yeah. you had so many people who were so scared of the change from 1999 to 2000. It's a new millennia. Right. Is our hardware and software compatibility going to cause a meltdown on nuclear power plants and the world's going to end? And Well, what happened was, uh, yeah, they caught like the people in charge, the, the government and, and Microsoft and everything called every computer programmer they could to fix that problem, mm -hmm. right? Because, yeah, Windows was hardwired in such a way, and DOS and, and old computers were hardwired in such a way that the date, you know, the year date was only two two digits, right? So it was, it was 84, 85, 86, all the way up through 99. And at the end of 99, it resets back to double zero. And um, strangely, Apple didn't, Apple was, they thought ahead enough to, to program four-year dates. So anyone running an Apple product wasn't going to have a problem anyways. Uh, but for whatever reason, DOS and Windows and other operating systems only only scheduled the two years, so no one was sure what was going to happen. Would would all of our numbers go back to 1900? You know, would, would they could read that way? Would it matter? We don't know. Yeah. Um, but people like my aunt uh, went and were the programmers that fixed all the problems. So I that know that if you when, don't have your clock set properly on a Windows machine, it does not work correctly. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, had a machine, so some of the computers have like a, a watch battery in the motherboard okay. that provides a slight amount of power sure. to keep the time, the clock correct. Interesting. Uh, so when those run out and you boot up a machine that 
hasn't been working in a while, mm-hmm. um, it'll default to like 2000. Huh. Right. And so then none of the updates, that. none of the stuff, it won't get online because it's. Because it doesn't think it can. Yeah. I don't know why. It's inherently in the program. <laughs> but then when you go change the date and the time and you get it all, then you restart the computer and it comes back on with the proper one, then everything works again. Interesting. It's weird. I've only, I've only seen that happen on Windows machines. Hmm. I've, I have reset the date on Macs and there's never been a problem. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a Mac guy at home. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I when when Y2K happened, uh, you know, January 1st, I think one computer in like Switzerland uh, froze, and then they restarted it, and it was fine. So, you know, the the narrative around the world is, oh, Y2K wasn't even a problem. Why were we all scared? Why were we, you know, because people held? worked hard to fix it, right? It turns out, yeah, nothing happened because people fixed it. It wasn't that it wasn't a big deal. Is that it was such a big deal that people were responsible. People clean their house. <laughs> you know what I think is is ironic as we have just about four minutes left before the show ends. It is, is ironic. You, you have Y2K that happens uh, in 2000, right, at the yeah. beginning of 2000. And later on that year, a lot of the internet company stocks tumble and the dot-com bubble bursts. Right. Right? So yeah. you had the dot-com boom and uh-huh. then kaplow, dot-com boom explodes. And that happens in 2000, right? Well, and that kind of that kind of goes back. Is that like a sign? (laughs) Well, I think that kind of goes back to the thing that I was just saying about too many people doing it, right? Like for a little while, it's like, oh, look, there's only this handful of people that know how this dot com everything works, right? I specifically remember my aunt when my cousin and I were trading email addresses, saying, oh, they're giving each other their WWWs, right? Because (laughs) we like we, and that was that was in 99, 98, 99, or whatever, right? Like we, the world didn't know the difference between email and websites and everything, Um, as. 2000 rolled around, more and more people were getting on computers and, and realized, hey, we're going to need to know this for right for the future. And so none of the dot-com stuff was as valuable because more people were doing it and the few people that knew it before weren't special. Yeah, I totally agree. It was funny, like I, I mentioned last time, uh, the my mom had gotten a computer for us. Yeah. And so I was pretty versed in the computer things by this time. Sure. You yeah. know, and uh, my mom was too, which is really interesting mm-hmm. because a lot of older uh, folks, they may struggle with using technology and computers. And uh, my mom, because we got that 486 when I was a kid, <laughs> inherently, she's just like, yeah, I got all this stuff and all the, that. send me an email, text messages when those came out. And yeah. uh, really, it was, it was really cool and interesting. So um, before we close out the show, I want to give a big shout out again to fullcolormovement.com. Uh, we'll be out there next month also helping out. Uh, again, also hashtag random AOK initiative, the uh, random act of kindness initiative. Go out there and do something great for somebody today. Don't be a jerk. It's much easier to be nice than it, it is to be a jerk. It is. Even though it takes more muscles to smile than it does to not smile. That's just more calories you're burning. I agree. Keep yeah. up with it. Yeah. Uh, definitely go check out the random AOK initiative all over social media. Check out uh, findingyourfrequency.net. We have a new social media for broadcasters that we set up on there. So if you go check that out, you can mm. sign up uh, for the social media component. Of course, you can follow us all over uh Social media at Radio Ryan One at Jeff Spinney Two, and of course the main Voice America Twitter account at Voice America TRN, uh, which is always a great place to find out all the great stuff that's happening. Uh, we have some events that are happening here at Voice America. We'll be uh, broadcasting live from the Disaster Recovery Journal event here at the JW Marriott on September 30th, starting at 11 a.m. on the Voice America Live Events page of VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events. And then, of course, we have another great radio show that Andy's going to be putting.
putting together for Atomic Monsoon. Yeah, yeah, I, I am a co-host of the show Atomic Monsoon here in Voice America. Um, this week, I believe we're talking Ninja Turtles. It's a pop, the maelstrom of pop culture discussion is what we call our show. Um, it's a good show. Yeah, yeah, anything that we kind of we're kind of into video games, movies, TVs, comics, um, from you know. Anything we've experienced, whether it's in our lifetime or before, um, lots. If, if you are an 80s or 90s baby, it's probably the show for you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Big shout out to the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Tune in next week. Jeff Spinard will be right back in the studio with us. We're going to jump right back into the Finding Your Frequency component next Friday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned right here. Got some great upcoming programming on the Variety Channel right after this show. We'll be right back next week on Finding Your Frequency. Join Voice America and host Alex Fullick for the DRJ Fall 2019 in Phoenix at the JW Marriott Desert Ridge as we broadcast live Monday, September 30th from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. The topics of the event are innovations in managing risk and resiliency. This is part of a three-day event featuring the top industry experts designed to keep your organization at the forefront of risk management. For more information, visit DRJ dot com forward slash fall 2019 or join us live on voiceamerica.com forward slash live events.